0: ghost in here welcome <laughs>
1: to this episode this very spooky scary episode yeah of honey this podcast isn't big enough for the two of us my name's Marin. my name's ej and
0: here we are we're recording a super spooky episode we are we're trying a new thing with the sound so let us yeah. know if it sounds horrible mm-hmm. or good or somewhere in the middle i feel like we've done a different thing with the sound each pretty time much every we've recorded. single time yeah yeah, yeah. So maybe
1: it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm.
0: We started out. We started out on Zoom, and now we are in the same room together. Very nice, and it's a room with some good reverb.
1: Yeah, also nice. Yeah,
0: and now we've got a good microphone. Right, look at
1: us. So we're really moving up in the world.
0: Moving up. How are
1: you? I'm good. Yeah, I'm doing good. Great. It's still
0: cold. It's, it was warm here for a sec, mm-hmm. and now it's cold again. I got tricked into thinking that maybe it would be like that for a while. Haha, um, you fool. I was a fool. Yeah. I was a fool. I. Uh, oh, I bought a car. My car was falling apart, and now I have one that isn't doing that. That's so, hot. Big win. It turns on when I try and turn it on. Oof.
1: That's yeah. pretty big for a car. I, <laughs> I love <laughs> that. Yeah. I love when a car does that
0: mm-hmm. for me. How are you?
1: I'm good. There's a cat in this house now.
0: There is a cat in this yeah, house. Yeah, not my cat. Yes. My partner got a cat. Correct.
1: Um, My my roommate, EJ's partner, yeah. has a cat. Mm-hmm. So now also I kind of have a cat that's yeah. around all the time.
0: And he's great. He's lovely. But he also yells. And he, he may he may be a guest star on the show. He episode. loves to chat. Yeah. He loves to have a
1: chat. He loves to play fetch, we've discovered. Yeah. He's kind of a dog. He's kind of a dog. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah, I know. It's really <laughs> rad. <laughs> well.
0: Well. Hey. Um, do you want to do a podcast episode? I would love to do a podcast episode. Oh, should we do a, a fan comment first? Oh, yeah. Why don't we do a fan Let's comment? Do okay. That.
1: Last episode, we talked and asked about you guys sending us comments, you guys sending us thoughts, you guys sending us little mini essays of 200 words or less, whatever you want to do. Please feel free to send us whatever. I think we're going to try to do more specific questions for episodes mm-hmm. so that you guys have something like targeted to send to because we realized that was maybe a bit of an alarming and scary thing to ask so just too open-ended too open-ended but like you know your small thoughts your Mm -hmm. large thoughts your unformed thoughts we love those so feel free to send them still
0: and we wanted to read some tags that somebody left this is from the the tumblr post from the last episode um this is from spitting out the blood and screaming on tumblr um and they said uh i literally just been thinking yesterday of the way the band members past selves are basically preserved like, as long as there are new people getting into MCR, there will be people looking up life on the murder scene and in old interviews. I think specifically I was thinking about how people will reblog photos and tag them like they're current, pictures of a person who hasn't existed for uh, 15 or more, 15 years or more. But through the magic of the internet, those past selves are current for us and we experience them. Time is weird. I'm not super mm. familiar with classic rock fandoms, but there are definitely people still writing yeah. like Beatles fic based on old interviews. <laughs> and such that came out before the writers were born. Also reminds me of one of my lecturers saying that film is an inherently gothic medium because it captures mm. a part of someone forever. Watching a film from the 40s, knowing everyone in it is dead, but here they are right in front of you. Wonder if there will still be people writing MCRRPF based on interviews from 2005, like decades from now. The year is 2105 and someone <laughs> is eagerly awaiting an update to their favorite Ferrar fic, Coffee Shop AU with a revenge rank and Basement Gerard. Anyway, you can read all this. I don't know why you would want to. (laughs) We wanted to. Yeah, we did want to. Thank you. Again, that was from Spitting Out the Blood and Screaming on Tumblr. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing your commentary. Super
1: cool. Really cool. Really really cool point. I love the um, comment that you made about film as being an inherently gothic medium, and it's something we're really going to talk about today. Yeah, yeah. It's um, a great transition. With gothicism and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. So the gothic is really um, Mm -hmm. present. And also so true in terms of like is all, like, archival stuff,
0: gothic, kind of? Mm-hmm. Kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kinda. archives, archives and immortality. Like, you're right. keeping something alive and making it mean something in a particular way right? that it may not have meant in its day, yeah, you know? Yeah. But it becomes something different as it is preserved. Right.
1: The classic rock <laughs> thing is also so true. Like, mm-hmm. I've really watched people reblog, like, I don't know, like, for me, I haven't seen a lot of the classic rock stuff, but I've seen like people being like, like reblogging older photos of Metallica and mm-hmm. stuff and being like, oh my God, like responding to it as if it's current. It's so funny. It's so weird. Yeah. Um, but super true. So. I think
0: it's also really cool to see like old mediums get represerved on the internet. Like, yeah. Like scans of magazines. So true. Like I'll see an interview that I've never seen before and it's because it was printed. It was never yeah. published online. Right. Um, And, like, pictures that were only printed in magazines but never shared online. Yeah. So it's crazy to be like, okay, that just wasn't accessible because the way that I'm engaging with this fandom is through an online medium. Right. Rather than by looking at magazines. Totally. Or anything physical. Thanks for your comment. Thanks for your comment. We'll come up with a (laughs) question and, we will
1: at some yeah. point in today's episode. We'll say that's a great that's question a great one to respond to. Buzz in.
0: But again, if you just have comments in general, yeah,
1: we would love to love to that. engage
0: yeah. with them. So, what's today's episode about?
1: It's a spooky, scary episode. My Google Doc name for this is Blood Guts Go- Groans
0: and Bones. Groans and Bones. Groans and Bones. Groaning and boning. <laughs> well, we're groaning and boning on this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we're not. <laughs> maybe not. I am. You may not be. <laughs> oh shit.
1: Okay. <laughs> I guess I know what to expect, now. Mm-hmm. That would have been really alarming otherwise. Yeah, watch out.
0: Oh, <laughs> fuck. Okay. It's spooky. It's spooky. So this episode, we wanted to talk about movie monsters. Yeah. Yeah, I just had a revelation the other
1: day, and I was like, uh, we haven't talked about vampires. Yeah. Which yeah. is, like, so strange, because vampires, to me, are, like, kind of, like, so important to MCR and, like, Absolutely. the aesthetics of MCR and the look of MCR and just, like, how MCR is perceived. Yeah especially during Revenge time period, or like, I mean, up into Black Parade time period, Mm -hmm. probably past that, not so much, but like, like in the cultural, like, milieu, like the Underworld. Oh, the cultural
0: milieu. In the cultural milieu,
1: (laughs) the (laughs) understanding of MCR is so connected to like, the Gothic and to vampires, Mm -hmm. specifically. And then I was like, we should just do a Movie Monsters episode. Yeah. So I love that. I
0: have a question for you. What? Um, When you say Gothic, what do you mean?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, like, just, like, the understanding of the gothic, right? So, like, the classic gothic. Present day, when we talk about goth, it's, like, it means a lot of different things. And, like, it's an aesthetic. It's a music genre. It's uh whatever. It's, like, all these things. But the gothic is, like, usually, like, characterized by an environment of fear, the threat of supernatural events, and the intrusion of the past upon the present. So, like, mm. when you have, like, a southern gothic, there's always, like, this, like, weird past hauntedness in it.
0: Right, okay. so like that's yeah. what I mean when
1: I say the gothic,
0: like hauntedness and anticipation and yeah. uncertainty, kind yeah. right of. Yeah. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah, cool. Because I know, I know it's an aesthetic, and I know it's a I, my approach to gothicness is more in that like seventies, eighties pop culture totally vibe. Totally, but I know totally. it's also a literary genre. Right? It is like, much, yeah, older. right, exactly. And like when you read a gothic novel, like.
1: Frankenstein or mm-hmm. Dracula yeah. or whatever. There's always this like weird like past coming into the present. That's like someone is haunted by something. Yeah. The atmosphere is claustrophobic. Mm-hmm. There's like that kind of like strangeness of like of time. You know. So like a lot of things are gothic. But that's what I mean when I say the gothic. Cool, guess, cool. which is maybe a big a big description for right at the beginning of the episode. But whatever. No, it's great. Um, I love it. it. Okay, great. I think it's an
0: important <laughs> thing to 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 outline like literally how this yeah works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm not an English major <laughs> so I'm doing my best yeah um, and like I'm also
1: not an English major right. so like if you have a better understanding of this mm-hmm. shout in and yeah. say that I'm wrong or We're or partially right or whatever yeah. yeah
0: with that foundation we really want to talk about specifically vampires and zombies yeah in this episode mostly vampires and zombies yeah we'll and talk also, a little bit about monsters yeah. generally and the horror genre generally but we want to focus specifically on those two figures because they show up in MCR right um, and we know that, I mean, vampires especially, least yeah. to a lesser degree, but they're both still important to talk about how, like, participation in horror fandom and, um, cult films shape that for these artists. So let's do it. I guess let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Where do we start? I mean, I was looking at, like, how, what is a monster? What makes a monster? Right. Like, that's a big question. Yeah. Uh, it comes from the Latin word mon- monstrare? You took Latin. Is that how it's said? I took Latin for one semester. That's more semesters than me. Um, I
1: believe it would be Monstrare, yeah. Monstrare. Cool. Um, also, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Yeah, I think it would be Monstrare.
0: Cool. Yeah. Which means to show or to demonstrate. The idea is that like a monster in any kind of form reveals something to us or shows us something. Whether that's something about ourselves, something about society or politics or culture... Um, that's what a monster can do. Yeah. And they show up in lots of different forms. Um, I was reading about monsters in, like, the 1700s as, like, these figures that would defy categories, but they were also really useful because they helped people, um, learn more about, like, what was normal. Yeah. Like, what are the ideal traits for something? And if something crosses a border, um, that monster is also helpful because it helps Mm. us draw, draw those lines of normalcy. More clearly.
1: While we were doing research for this episode, we at the last minute discovered that Jack Halberstam, who we love, mm-hmm. friend of the show, Jack Halberstam. Friend of the
0: show, Jack Halberstam. Friend of the pod, Jack
1: Um, Has a book called Skin Show, which is about specifically the gothic and monsters and like gothic monsters. And there's a quote in this book that says monsters are meaning machines. They can represent gender, race, nationality, and sexuality in one body. Class, too class. So Dracula, for example, can be read as an aristocrat, a symbol of the masses. He's a predator and yet feminine. He's consumer and producer. He is parasite and host. He's homosexual and heterosexual. He is even a lesbian. Monsters in the gothic fiction that creates them are therefore technologies, narrative technologies that produce the perfect figure for negative identity. Monsters have to be everything the human is not. And in producing the negative of human, these novels make way for the invention of human as white, male, middle class, and heterosexual.
0: Absolutely. So yeah. the monster
1: is like the opposite of the white male middle class mm-hmm. heterosexual body. Yeah. Basically. Is yeah. what is what they're saying there. Yeah. yeah.
0: I wanna uh release into the, the the Tumblr ethos that Dracula is a lesbian and just see what comes. Down. So interesting you know? Such an interesting reader. <laughs>
1: so yes, yeah, so he is referencing another theorist who's talking about how Dracula is a lesbian. So if anyone wants to look that up, Let's go check that. it out, I guess. Yeah. So that's monsters.
0: Also, like in Movies or stories, monsters are often, like, something that threatens humanity. Right. I'm thinking, like, a Godzilla or a King Kong, that everyone can kind of overcome their differences and come together to fight. Right. And we see, within the genre, a million different versions of that just not happening. Right. And why. <laughs> right, <totally. laughs> Where people are unable to overcome those differences, and that's their own downfall, right? Right. That's the narrative a lot of the time. I, I really love that Jack Albertsam quote of, like setting lines for normalcy yeah
1: and then so he says that right where it's like we're setting lines for normalcy but then also because it's representing the disruption of categories and the destruction of boundaries it also like means that people like recognize and celebrate their own quote-unquote monstrosities right mm. so it's it, i think often why like a lot of people specifically like queer trans people will look at like monsters that are like existing outside of like boundaries of like whatever sexuality stuff like that and will like really latch on to that same mm-hmm. with robots and things like that mm. it's why that's so interesting to people and why they really connect to it in certain ways. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Because of that non right. Exactly, That's
1: cool. The monster. That's monsters. That's monsters. So that's what a monster is, yeah. I suppose.
0: Yeah, so unlike the other kinds of monsters that we see, whether they're, like, major supernatural threats yeah. that people would encounter, vampires and zombies are different because they used to be humans. That they are, like, there's, like, a very personal degree to these monsters. Like, they can be yeah. someone you know. It right. can be your neighbor or your coworker or whatever. Um, yeah, there, there are people have like intense personal connections to the the people who eventually become vampires or yeah. zombies. Yeah,
1: no, totally. I know. Like, I think that 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 idea of it's like it can be somebody you know or whatever mm-hmm. like connects so much to the way that like horror got developed into like the '80s and stuff and mm-hmm. like. It's someone you know. It's someone in your neighborhood. Yeah. It's like neighborhood watch shit,
0: mm-hmm, you know, for mm-hmm. sure. And that really, you can see. I mean, we'll talk about this later. How vampires and zombies both get used as these like ways of manifesting suspicion. And yeah, distrust and like just
1: trust like foreign, like foreignness. Yeah, often, yeah, yeah,
0: specifically and like pretty blatantly. So I think that that human character of these particular monsters um, really makes a lot of what we're going to talk about narratively and politically possible. Totally. So, yeah, should we just talk about, like, horror a little yeah. bit? Yeah. Let's talk about horror. So, I mean, like, when I think about horror, I mostly think about it as a film genre. Totally. But that's not completely true. Right. I mean, totally
1: true. Right. From, like, the present day, it's, like, that's what it is.
0: Mm-hmm. There's, There's books. <laughs> I mean, you talked about goth-lit, gothic literature. Goth-lit. Goth-lit. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. so, a lot of horror
1: just, like, kind of stems from the gothic. Before Dracula and before, like, the film Dracula was made and before, whatever, Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, stuff like that, weird German expressionist stuff that got, like, translated into these movies. Mm -hmm. Like, there wasn't a genre. Like, there wasn't a film genre that was considered horror. Yeah, I mean, a lot of that early horror genre stuff is really connected to the mm-hmm. gothic yeah and then often those ideas of like crime and criminality and strangeness are contained in a specific form Absolutely. which is the monster
0: i'm thinking about like what is the difference between horror that what makes film such a good medium to express horror
1: yeah. Like compare
0: I mean like it is effective in literature, especially when it's that feeling and like sense of of something is wrong and sense of fear. Yeah. But when translated to film and like the visual, what does it do differently? Yeah. I'm fully just riffing right now. No. But like I think it's a good question. I think
1: it cements it differently. Because like when you read Frankenstein Mm-hmm. Frankenstein as a character is monstrous, but like everyone will see it differently. You'll see it in a way that you see, like the way that you picture a monster, a quote unquote monstrous mm-hmm. form, I guess. Mm-hmm. And when you like put it on- onto a film, it's like cemented. And I don't know, maybe there's more space for atmosphere or a building of tension. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Not necessarily, yeah. I
0: guess. I don't know. It's just what do you think? It operates differently, yeah. I guess. Um, I'm also just thinking about like body horror. Yeah, how, like, seeing something shaped like you do something that your body would not survive, that kind of, like, visceral feeling that that produces, I don't have better words for it, but that's something that I think film can do, that text could do, but not as like, immediately.
1: There's more space for the uncanny.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely.
1: I'm trying to think if I've, like, ever experienced that feeling of, like, that uncanniness from Mm -hmm. reading something, and I don't know if I have, Mm -hmm. really.
0: Because I think your mind, like, will, if you're trying to visualize something while you're reading, produce something more familiar, but... Totally. Like... Something that you can't even imagine. Yeah. Right. Film, I think, can shock you a bit more. Totally.
1: Yeah. I also, like... I noted in here just that like the history of horror has always been really queer. And I think it's something that we should just like say right off the bat is that like horror has always been super queer because there's like this fear of the, of otherness. Right. But also because in Hollywood, we have the Hays Code. Ooh. I love to talk about the
0: Hays Code. Hays Code Hour. <laughs>
1: Hays Code Hour. Maren's Hays Code Hour. I love <laughs> to talk about it. The Haze Code is just like a collection of structures and rules. Laws. laws? Yeah. Rules. You know, laws and rules. Laws and rules. That films had to like adhere to so that you didn't show anything that was like bad or wrong or whatever. Yeah. And a lot of that would be... Queerness. So if you yeah. wanted to show something that was queer or something that was like strange or different, you would have to then like punish that character, Right. which is why we have the like kill your gays mm-hmm. tropes and stuff. That's where that comes from. Is right. like if you want to have a queer character, you mm-hmm. can, but that character does need to be punished.
0: Yeah. And horror as a genre gives you the opportunity for that kind of punishment to be especially... Yeah. horrible <laughs> right totally yeah but also to bring those characters into a story right it is a double-edged yeah. sword the haze code is a very like it, it instills a very normative kind of morality i yes. guess totally um absolutely yeah so, across like all film yeah. across literally all films yeah. yeah horror is a great place for that to take shape if monsters are setting our terms for normalcy and non Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And, I mean, then the Haze Code ends and stuff. Right, so, right. So, after yeah. that, we have, like... And, you know, horror has always been a transgressive genre, but after the Haze Code ended, we see things that are, like, maybe explicitly queer, maybe explicitly yeah. whatever, you know? So, anyway, we're not going to talk about the entire history of um, horror so Yeah, and be yeah. way too hard. Yeah. But that's that kind of
0: yeah touchstone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We want to talk about uh, an era of horror yes. that is very particular, specifically because that's specifically because this era of horror is what members of mcr were fans of right fans of right um and engaged with and shaped the way that these figures are used in their own work so which is what 80s and 70s horror yeah what is it no i mean we didn't say what it was what time period it was oh it's 80s and 70s (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) we were like we're gonna about this This era and then we didn't say what Uh
1: it is it's It's 80s and 70s 70s and 80s yeah in the 80s we start having like pretty mass marketable horror films yes which like didn't exist before like before the 80s like the first big blockbuster hit is the exorcist which is like in the 70s in the 80s like the presence of horror films is like pretty like there's so many Mm -hmm. there are so many slasher films and a lot of them start to take on this like home invasion thing Mm -hmm. which is like all of a sudden horror becomes like how do we appeal how does it appeal to the mass market? It's about the middle class. It's about the suburbs being infiltrated by somebody from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So it's like pretty conservative. Horror becomes like really conservative in the eighties, yeah. interestingly. One of the like textbook horror films, Dawn of the Dead, has like a black lead. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of horror films before this, Ali- we watched Alien last night. Mm-hmm. Alien is, like, super ahead of its time in terms absolutely. of, like, gender politics. And, like, we don't see that a lot all the time with, like, these classic horror films in the 80s. Although this is always, you know, monsters or meaning machines. We can literally analyze any of these things from any lens and, like, you can probably see something in them. But Right, absolutely. It just becomes kind of, you know, Reagan-y.
0: Yeah, <laughs> fucking, I,
1: I'm bringing Ronald Reagan into the room oh, again get him. unfortunately I, him here. I don't want him here but no. he is here he's here yeah so like the... there's a lot of like slashers it's like horrifying in mm-hmm. response to like whatever this conservatism so it's like both like disgusting and over the top and mm-hmm. sometimes kind of conservative so it's interesting mm-hmm. like the Lost Boys which we know is one of like Frank's favorite movies mm-hmm. one of my favorite movies is like whatever these this this other this like kind of queer coded other mm-hmm.
0: Unsubtly queer,
1: unsubtly <laughs> queer coded other. Mm-hmm. These dudes are all living together. They're sucking each other's blood mm-hmm. during the AIDS crisis. We can yeah. see more about this and then they're punished
0: at the mm-hmm. end for it.
1: Like, truth, justice, and the
0: American way wins out. Right, it know? does. Yeah. And it comes out of fucking nowhere, if I remember correctly. The, the, <laughs> you're like, these guys are having a great time no, together. The, the, but then, like, then there this, has to be a moral it, at the, the end the of the kid,
1: story. The <laughs> kid vampire hunters? Yeah, yeah, I know. And they're like, we're fighting. They literally,
0: literally say we
1: are trying to fighting for truth, justice, and the American way. Yeah, like it's a like, funny
0: joke, guys, but then that's the re- resolution of the story. <laughs> I know! I know! Yeah, of a bummer. Yeah, yeah. honestly. Yeah. But, like, that's such a good example too of like what moral you can take away from this. Like I watched The Lost Boys for the sexy biker guys. Right. That I I identify with and like want to be like. And that's the
1: majority of the film.
0: (laughs) Right. And then there is a moral at the end, but you can kind of disregard it for the substance of the movie. Which I think makes horror so popular even in this conservative era where you can say, I'm watching this for the blood and the guts and the gore. I like the right. violence of it. Right. Where that's actually part of the moral of the story is that the people doing that are bad guys. <laughs> <Right>. Um
1: <laughs> and, and then... it gets complicated. It gets so complicated. Yeah. yeah. Cause like the director of this film is a gay man. So like obviously he doesn't think that. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. So it's like he's putting in this like thread of the otherness and this like sexiness. Yeah. But also like kinda has to
0: punish it at the end. Mm-hmm. It's super weird. It's really weird. It's really complicated. Mm-hmm. Um Do you want to talk about the final girl?
1: Yeah, we can talk a little bit about The Final Girl. tell me about her. Um, We've talked about The Final Girl a little bit before Mm -hmm. on this pod. Mm -hmm. Why did we talk about The Final Girl? I don't remember. We were talking about cheerleaders. Oh, yes.
0: Yeah, we did. I mean, we did talk about horror with cheerleaders a little bit. Yeah. Um, And and screen queen And genre. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so there's a lot to say about
1: The Final Girl in cinema and how... It's been done over and over. Right, how The Final Girl survives, how whatever, whatever, whatever... There was a really interesting take that we read in this Halberstam book about how the final girl is inherently genderless. Mm -hmm. Um, How like the other people that are brutalized in the film fit into like stereotypes kind of right Mm -hmm. often of Mm -hmm. like masculinity or femininity and are like murdered for it and the final girl has to like survive through all of it and therefore appeal to everybody including whatever like men and women and anybody else who's watching. Mm -hmm. And so, like, ends up reading as genderless. Like, ends up reading as, like, not masculine or feminine.
0: Yeah. And I think when you think about, like, who is the audience for this film, do we assume a white male viewer of this film? Right. How do you make a protagonist from that film that people can see through her eyes while still recognizing her as a woman but also, like... Understanding, like I guess you have to like kind of degender her a little bit to make her accessible yes. to that. Totally. Yes. Male gaze. The male gaze.
1: The male, gaze. The male
0: gaze. Welcome to the male gaze. <laughs> um, we're we're, here. we're in the male gaze right <laughs> now. We're in it. I no, don't
1: think we are. <laughs> I try
0: to be in the male gaze as rarely
1: as possible. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. So Jack Halberstam mentions this author Carol Clover, who named the quote-unquote, improperly gendered, de-girled being as the Mm. final girl. Because the bodies that splatter, because... Which is a take on Bodies That Matter by by, uh,
0: by Judith Butler? Yeah, it is. Amazing. Um,
1: The bodies that splatter in horror films are, interestingly enough, properly gendered human bodies female bodies in fact with all the conventional markings of their femininity female bodies that do not splatter then are often sutured bodies bodies that are in some way distanced from the gender constructions that would otherwise sentence them to messy and certain death yeah. which is you know again yeah. there's always exceptions oh it's... there's always exceptions <laughs> <That was laughs> <Wow. very blah. laughs> I just like stared into the abyss to find that word. I was like, "Where is it?" There's always exceptions, but like often, final girls are kind of tomboyish, mm. mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. compared to their peers.
0: Yeah, because there's something exaggeratingly gendered about the others. Yeah. So anyway, there's yeah. a lot to say
1: about gender and sexuality during mm-hmm. the '80s, specifically in horror movies. There's just like a lot of weird shit,
0: yeah, going on. Absolutely. Um, that both involves like. Like, defining something that's normative, but also through the use of things outside of that normative. That you can yeah. still... People who connect with those non-normative identities... Totally. ...see and celebrate. Totally. And totally. enjoy. And I'm certain that, like,
1: our friends at MCR... are our good...
0: are our good pers- our personal well, friends? <laughs> yeah, our good personal
1: friends at MCR are experiencing both of those things at the same time right like i'm certain that gerard way is like picking up on these non-normative things and is also mentioned jacking off to horror films
0: Uh, ah so
1: (laughs) we can see that both of these things are happening yeah right
0: totally yeah i also had the an open-ended question that i kind of tacked on to the end of your notes here which is just about like why horror fandom is the way that it is yeah. Like, why? But I think we just answered that question, which is because it pulls in so many different kinds of people. Yeah. Who can see themselves in these films or connect to these films without necessarily reifying the moral message behind them. Totally. You know. Or yeah. and also, like creators do that too. Like, even if they have to have some kind of moral message behind it. Right. The majority of the film is yeah. about the monsters, quote unquote.
1: Horror is such a cathartic genre in ways that, like, I think other genres are not often. There's just such an horror is so camp. (laughs) Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, is it camp? It's kind of camp, isn't it, it? man? It's so over the top. It's like so over the top and always presents itself super seriously. Mm. So like, it's just always melodramatic, Mm -hmm. like, or so much of the time it's melodramatic. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of '80s horror films, which is why I love them. Are like very melodramatic, very over the top. The screams are ridiculous. Yeah, it, there's something both like pleasurable and horrifying in watching them. You totally. know, it's like totally there's this like disgust desire thing that's like happening. I don't know when Susan Sontag talks about the dandy like sniffing the stink or whatever. Yes, feels like that a little. Yes,
0: yes, and like I guess the way that repulsion works totally right and and being grossed out by something like that's what you seek out. Yeah. You are, you are interested in experiencing revulsion and you're interested in mediums that produce it.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Especially, yeah, especially with body horror and stuff. There's something, you can't watch something like The Fly and watch Jeff Goldblum turn into a fly and not be both like a little repulsed and a little like fascinated Mm -hmm. and like fascination is like kind of about desire and sex. So a lot of body horror, like, has this element of, yeah, horror and also sex, kind Mm -hmm. of. There's this weird psychosexual element to Mm -hmm. it, I feel. Mm
0: -hmm. I was trying to read more about body horror while I was researching and was not super successful, but was reading about, like, that as the, a connection between, like, horror and porn.
1: Totally! That, like,
0: it's this visceral bodily thing you can connect to and the this overlap between like pleasure and something incredibly violent for better or for worse
1: it's also i think why trans people like body horror Mm. stuff so much maybe here's the thing i think that there is like desire and whatever in body horror for everybody who watches it i think everyone who watches body horror and is into body horror as like a genre of horror is like experiencing that like Mm. fascination and desire but i think For a lot of people, it's overpowered by the revulsion. And I think that trans people, when they see somebody who, like, a character in a body horror, and see the way that people are looking at them, they feel that they are being looked at the same way. You know? Yeah. Like, fascination with trans genitalia and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. Look at how these people are mutilating their bodies. Sure. Yeah. It feels like there's not, it's not a huge jump Mm -hmm. to be like,
0: I feel like, I feel like
1: fucking Jeff Goldblum. I feel like Jeff Goldblum when he turns into a fly, Uh you know?
0: So anyway, so anyway, horror so much queerness, yeah, so much queerness and normativity and, and, and non normativity and not like it's a very specific way of engaging with and like not quite celebrating non-normativity, but, but making also it meaningful. It. Yeah, I think yeah, and something that people can connect to. Well, that's all of horror, that's all of horror. There's that's nothing else to say about that's it. Actually. everything you need to know. About that's actually horror. nothing else to say. Yeah.
1: yeah, no, but actually though, really, there's so much that we're not talking about right now. yeah, um
0: and that we probably won't talk about a lot in this mm-hmm. um. This is like a whole college, like a whole college seminar yeah. you could have on yeah, yeah, yeah easily, and I'm sure that there are many schools that do. Right? Yeah, like, there's yeah, yeah. so so much to say here. It's been researched totally. Um, there's and a
1: lot me. about racialization yeah. and like the racialized body, specifically connected to like Frankenstein oh, and sure. like anti-Semitism and just like whatever. The threat of the other will connect to class and race uh-huh. and sexuality and gender and all of these things. Yeah. And we're going to talk mostly about sexuality and gender here, but.
0: Mm-hmm. There's a lot to
1: there's be so said. There's so much to be said. Yeah. Please write in, mm-hmm. slash, think about it in many different ways because mm-hmm. there's so many ways to think about it.
0: Next, we want to talk about some particular monsters. Yeah, we do. Some very particular <laughs> guys. Um, <which laughs> they're very, very they're particular. They're so guys. choosy. Like, <laughs> they're very particular. <laughs> oh, fuck. Um, we're going to talk about vampires and we're going to talk about zombies. We're going to go one by one because, like, there's a lot of nuance and history behind. These figures and characters, both in like how they originally developed and what they came to mean in in the 80s specifically and today. Right. Um, And then after that, we'll touch on how they're used specifically in MCR. um, Cool. And what we can glean from that. Glean? Yeah, we're going to glean it up. But Maren, you've done a PowerPoint presentation on vampires <laughs> before. I have. Would you like to tell me about vampires? Sure, I can tell you
1: about vampires. Okay. I love vampires. Yeah, do you? Yeah, I love vampires. Cool. Um, every vampire I see, I go, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone? Every single one, I kiss Nosferatu on his head. I, I literally do kiss Nosferatu on his head. I love that old queen. I literally fucking love Nosferatu. Okay, anyway. Um, I kissed him on his head. I kissed him on his head. <laughs> um... Vampires are kind of like, in terms of like movie monsters, they're like the original movie monster. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Many, many, many cultures have things that are like associated with or close to what a vampire is, right? Some kind of mm. suckin' guy.
0: Some kind of guy. Some kind of <laughs> undead guy. Are you saying that suckin' is a cultural universal? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I Hot take. <laughs> really, at the end of the day, it comes yeah. down to suckin' it for Really, all of really, us.
1: really when it comes down to it, it's just all about suckin'. <laughs> Um, well, kind (laughs) of, kind of, um, but really like the undead, right? Fear of the undead, fear of like the dead coming to life, whatever. And that's consistent across zombies and vampires. Um, but with vampires, you know, vampires kind of came to prominence or like the modern idea of the vampire came to prominence in the Victorian era, um, in Europe. And there started being like literature about vampires in the 1830s um so like Carmilla which is literally about a lesbian vampire have you you guys know this have you read it I haven't read it you should go read it pretty cool and then Dracula which Dracula basically created the modern Mm -hmm. vampire secluded often rich old money kind of dude who is like living on a hill whatever The idea of the modern vampire is based on Dracula. Yeah, so there's a lot there about this fear of death and decomposition, a fear of the outsider, as well as just this kind of fear of, like, the aristocrat and, like, the rich dude who's, like, we think the rich dudes have sex cults. That kind of shit. Mm -hmm. It's that. Yeah. It literally is that. Like, vampires are really connected to Catholicism and religion, they're the undead. They're coming back to life. We need to kill them with our holy water and our steaks.
0: Right. They're ungodly. Right. You know? And when we were doing research about this earlier, we were thinking about, okay, wh- why? Why yeah. is religion so closely connected to this? Um, and thinking about how, like, the vampire is actually a useful figure for the church. Yeah. To be able to be like, oh, you're worried about people coming back from the dead? We can help you. Come to the church, right? Make sure you get a good Christian burial. um, That's like and you won't come back as a vampire. It's like actually really
1: a good, a great point. It's a
0: great marketing scheme for the church (laughs) to talk about vampires.
1: If you if you come here, we can promise your loved ones will not come back from the dead Mm -hmm. and suck your blood. The Catholic Church, we keep them in the ground. (laughs) (laughs) Historically, they don't actually. I would say (laughs) they don't. Historically, they don't. Oh no, Um, they don't. So yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, like, political, like, vampires get connected to capitalism and stuff. Marx references, he calls capital the vampire of whatever. yeah. So there's just a lot of, specifically, old money, death, fear of the outsider. Yeah. And in that, there's a lot of psychosexual stuff. Mm. There's a lot of psychosexual stuff. Mm -hmm. So in here I wrote, vampires sluts and vampires gay. Yes,
0: correct. Both true. Both true.
1: Yeah, so, like, the classic vampire is like, this is a great quote, vampiric sexuality blends power and femininity within the same body and then marks that body as distinctly alien. The classic vampire is a dude who's like kind of lithe and moves kind of smoothly, pretty feminine, but also really powerful and has this huge sexual draw. Mm -hmm. And so it like turns men, I I believe Jack Halperstein said, turns men into sissies. And makes women feel this, like, powerful desire. So it's, like, Mm -hmm. this kind of, like, bisexual vampire is, like, kind of the classic vampire image. Mm -hmm. This, like, strange, psychosexual, whatever.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting, because I hadn't considered, like, if we're looking at, like, the feature of this particular monster, a vampire has a thrall. Yeah. I don't think we touched on that at all. Oh, that's like, so true. The vamp- vampires are, the pe- their victims are, are innocent to any kind of like experience of desire mm. because the vampire produces it artificially, yeah. right? Yeah. Pulls you in. Yeah. So if you want to fuck the vampire, that's not your fault. Yeah. That's the vampire. It's the vampire. I didn't want to do it. I didn't it. want to do it. It's so queer. Yeah. It's so
1: queer. It's like, I didn't want to. Mm-hmm. I, didn't, I don't like men. But I like, however, okay. <laughs> I like this. Yeah, I like that so Whatever maybe. this is, uh-huh.
0: I think that the way that desire works is like it's—it's it's such an inherently horny monster. <laughs> yeah, because vampires are so horny. They put—they put the mouth on the neck, <laughs> <laughs> and that's horny, and it has to be. Yeah. Um, also, they suck in. Oh, they suck in. Yeah. <laughs> uh huh. And you said not just blood. Sometimes, well, the right? classic image of the vampire sometimes sucks other
1: stuff. I hate to say this to you guys. I really hate to say it. Sometimes it's other stuff too.
0: Okay, no, let's get into this. Okay, you've said this several times, but you've never articulated exactly what it is. And in my mind, I'm like, do they? I don't know. Do they vampire into the balls and like, <laughs> <laughs> and like get the cum directly from the source? Right yeah, from the source? or does it go through Ew. the dick? Or am I way off? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know.
1: I don't know because this is kind of folkloric, (laughs) mostly. I think, but it like speaks to it, right? The like somebody sucking someone's blood is sexual, removing of some kind of. It's like Mm -hmm. it's pain and it's desire. Victorian
0: collar off to show off your collarbones, right? It's pain
1: and it's desire, and it's also really connected to tuberculosis and syphilis,
0: ah,
1: um, which the Victorians loved Mm -hmm. i mean they didn't love it but they were really experiencing it all the time and so like this figure of this like vampires victims Mm -hmm. look like tuberculosis victims right you know right which was sexy and hot at the time Mm -hmm. people loved how that looked super weird but it's true
0: so that's also really interesting to think about like vampires and disease yeah because you were also talking about a connection with aids yeah and um like especially like the lost boys that era that like, colors the whole film, even though they don't articulate it, does. it at any point. It does. Um, and, yeah, blood and transmission really matters a lot at different eras.
1: That's so true. I, that is, I hadn't actually put that together, but, like, vampires coming to popularity at a time when there is, like, specifically, like, a disease that involves blood. Mm-hmm. You cough up blood and tuberculosis. That's yeah. how you know that you have it. Right. And then... There are being popular vampire movies in the 80s. Mm-hmm. They're being popular or intentionally or very visibly queer-coded. All vampires are queer-coded. <laughs> there are being these movies where they're very easily...
0: Categorized? Yeah, sure. Um... <laughs> Marin is making... This is an audio medium. Marin is making wild hand gestures. <laughs> Just over their head, like, full palms, like, know. forward, and it's my job to decode that for you, the listener. The point
1: is, <laughs> there is, tr- like, yeah.
0: transmission. Contagion.
1: Contagion. Mm-hmm. Specifically blood, like, blood-borne mm-hmm. contagion, yeah. often.
0: And there's also, like, a level of contagion that involves some kind of, like, desire and will. I'm just, like, I'm thinking about, like, elements of choice in that. Yeah. Like, are you choosing to be part of it? Is it a thrall? is it both? Is it yeah. a little bit of both? Interesting. Do we want to talk
1: about any other vampire stuff? Vampire stuff? No.
0: I feel so good about
1: vampires. I feel so good. Here's the thing about vampires. They're really out here being being gay.
0: Mhm. And mm-hmm. being
1: sluts. Mhm. And we love that for them. Mm-hmm. That's the thing is whenever I see a vampire that isn't like a gay slut, I'm like, this is not a true vampire. You are not mm-hmm. a true vampire. You've made it bad. Mm-hmm. You made it bad. Or when
0: they're sluts but they're not gay.
1: You've made it bad. You, you made, made it bad. worse.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you did a bad job. You did not understand the assignment. This is an immortal creature. You're telling me that this person hasn't fucked a dude once? Right. Like, if you're immortal, why would you choose not to? Right, exactly. You
1: can literally get away with whatever you want. Right, exactly. Which, like, maybe is the problem with the Vampire Diaries and Twilight as vampire medias.
0: Normie. Normie vampires. So Normie. Normie yeah. vampires. And why why do they become Normie? It's because it's marketable. And it's religion, weirdly. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So that's vampires. That's that on that. vampires. Vampires. Zombies. Tell me about zombies. I would love to tell you about zombies. Tell me about zombies right now. And here we are. Okay. What's a zombie? Great question. Thank you for asking. Green, um,
1: green guy. It's a green guy. Came out of, came out of mm-hmm. the world of the earth. <laughs> sorry?
0: <laughs> green guy came out of the earth. It sounds like you have a fundamental misunderstanding <laughs> of zombies, and that's why I'm here today. <laughs> no, okay, yeah. So a zombie- Kind is... of like an alien, but from your grace. <laughs> <laughs> that's not what that is? Yeah. So a zombie, much like a vampire, is a an undead person um but they are usually um like a reanimated corpse mm-hmm. and as a like a, a bit of history on zombies they come from like the word zombie comes from a haitian tradition Um, and was specifically, like, a kind of theological understanding of, um, like, specifically from enslaved Haitian people. The idea that you would get to, like, you would achieve freedom when you died. You Mm. wouldn't be enslaved anymore. Um, but under certain circumstances, um, suicide was the big example that they gave. You would be trapped in the place that you were enslaved forever, Um, and forever mindless and whatever. It was this kind of limbo. And that was the figure of the zombie. Wow, that has
1: been really, 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 really removed from its
0: context. Absolutely, it has. Yeah. Yeah. In kind of a horrifying way, actually. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That later, after the Haitian Revolution in the 1820s, got reworked into, um, voodoo religion. Yeah. Which I personally do not know a ton about. This is just from a bit of internet research. But, um where that figure became more of a reanimated corpse and took on the form that it has today. So, um, yeah, zombies, black tradition. And the zombie that we know today, who is very prevalent in media, came up through a few movies, um, kind of the same era that uh, vampires were popular. The first zombie film was called White Zombie. It actually starred Bela Lugosi, (laughs) and he had a horde of zombies that he controlled. Bella Lugosi. Bella Lugosi. Okay. Um, so, yeah, that's a kind of a through line there. And then zombies, uh, I, I guess, yeah, compared to vampires, they're a much more recent evolution in American media. Yeah, in um, pop culture, totally. In, yeah, in pop culture. And um, they really became popular and solidified in the way that we understand them now in Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. So Night of the Living Dead is uh, the first movie, 1968, where you get, like, the shifting corpses moving slowly, creeping in on the group of people who kind of hold up for safety. Um, And this is the one with the black protagonist. um, uh, Dwayne Jones is the actor. Mm -hmm. And um, when I'm thinking about Night of the Living Dead and why it became so culturally, like, important, it and Dawn of the Dead, both made by the same director, um, Romero, George Romero. They have super strong political messages. And they were released in a time where, like, it really connected for a lot of people. So having a black protagonist in a film uh, released five months after the assassination of MLKJ, he's killed in the end. Mm -hmm. Um, Not by zombies, but by police. Right. So that message is, what is the real threat? Literally, right. Who's the real monster here? Right. Um, It's not the zombie. It's not the zombie. Yeah. It's cops. So that's like a big political message there. It's also becoming popular in the era of the Vietnam War. Yeah. which has a lot of violence on TV, a lot of yeah. real violence. Actual war broadcast on TV was very common, Yeah, um, and it still is today. But it wasn't at that time, um, and that was when people were starting to see it more and more. Dawn of the Dead is the, the sequel in um, released in 1978. That's the, um, that's the one where they're trapped in the mall. <laughs> yeah. And it's very clear the consumerist yeah. message yeah. there. Yeah. People fall to their deaths or, or are killed because they choose things over protecting themselves. Right. And they're killed by zombies. And that's the kind of the political message that the zombies are able to 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 highlight. Like it's never anything that the The zombies don't take on that meaning necessarily, it's the choices that the people make in those situations that's kind of where the moral comes from. Right. Yeah, so those are big foundational, I guess, zombie texts. And the way that the zombies appear in those films are what people iterate off of um, again and again as zombies become more popular, very culturally prolific yeah and we know that those were very influential for mcr as well
1: yeah that's so interesting to me so before doing this episode i didn't really know the history of like zombie lore Mm -hmm. and how rooted it is in like racialization and politics and like specifically like with these two movies like like anti-war anti-violence anti-cop like how like socialist. The themes are in them yeah and how like it just feels i feel like a lot of the zombie media we have that are that's like more modern is so disconnected from that mm. i feel like so much of zombie media has just become like a fucking murder spree of like try to kill all the zombies you can how can we make these zombies scarier we're gonna make them run now yeah. and it's like or like how can we just like distance them from like these really like potent political contexts and like social contexts I don't know. It's, Mm -hmm. I mean, not that that can't happen, obviously, and, like, that's just, like, what happens when you have something that changes over time. Whatever. The context of zombies has, like, so much historical opportunity for people to, like, connect these specific, like, political, social contexts to them, and then they often don't.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think the way that those themes have evolved in recent media... Yeah. ...says a lot about... I don't know what it says a lot about, but, like, you've got... In these earlier films, it's about people who are trying to keep themselves safe and work together yeah, against something right. that is threatening humanity. Yep. And the question is, can they overcome their differences to survive? And right. the answer is no. Yeah, Right? No, they can't, and they will be killed. Yep. So the answer for, like, new zombie media is how, how can somebody stay alive? Yeah. If we can't work together, how do you stay alive? Yeah. And it becomes this hyper-individualist... Yeah. ...kind of moral, right? Right. Like, you... Like... It's doomsday prepper mentality. It's survivalism. Yeah. Yeah. It's like how like how can you barricade yourself? How, how can, can you, you get keep as many self your... safe? How can you get as many weapons as you possibly can? Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. So you're ready for that threat and that like experience of vulnerability. If yeah. we lose community as something that can do that for us, which I think is the moral of the Romero films, what do you do then? Right. And that's what modern zombie media is. Totally. Trying to answer. Yeah, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. It, which
0: is like really interesting.
1: When somebody does it well. Yeah. And really, really not awesome when yeah. somebody does it poorly.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Then it's just a killing spree about one guy who was able to do something. Which okay. sucks. Which yeah. sucks. That I sucks. Hate I that. don't like that one guy. That I don't like that I one don't guy. I don't like that guy. That guy sucks actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. And then you're supposed to like that guy because yeah. that that's that's they're trying to make a normative move there. Of of individualism. Totally. When, like, zombies were not, like, created as a normative monster. Yeah. The other things that I was thinking about, zombies usually occur in, like, an apocalypse setting. Yeah. Because they're so contagious. It's something that spreads really fast, and you get these huge masses of people who congregate as a threat. And then the idea is how do you keep yourself safe? Like, that's usually the theme of zombie media and contagion is another major plot element and it also i think is something that has made zombie media more popular like super super recently when we think about it right, of endemics. course of course and how do you keep yourself safe yeah how do you protect yourself right and it's always about yourself it's never about community right
1: yeah it sucks
0: so bad it sucks so bad
1: that's the thing is like that's why i often hate a lot of pandemic media Mm -hmm. and like because like so much of pandemic media is about people just turning to shit like people just absolutely turning on one another and fucking violently murdering one another constantly and like Mm -hmm. i understand like i get it like that's something that happens obviously right but like i'm tired of it I'm tired of it, and also, like, speaking, like, speaking as somebody who is, like, queer and trans, it's, like, I know that there are people who would not fucking do that to me.
0: Right. I think so much of it becomes just about, like, I'm better at being alive than Right, and violence as the main mechanism to achieve that. Right.
1: Right. Many people have written about this. Octavia Butler. Like, whatever. That's not how things have to be. (laughs) Right? right. We can look for other things. There are other, like, ways to persevere through the end of the world. There's also just, like, so much interesting, like, stuff about apocalypses and things like that and how apocalypses have been happening for many, many, many people Uh across time. Right? Uh People have experienced horrific genocides and things like that. And, like, that is an apocalypse. And so, like, very little zombie media, like, interacts with those kinds of themes at all? Mm -hmm. Or, like, the ways that like apocalypse shows up for different populations of people. Right. And I just feel like that's just like missing the point. And Romero does that really yeah. well.
0: Yeah. But a lot of totally. things don't. So like totally.
1: anyway, no, so, so we have mixed feelings about zombie media here, yeah. clearly.
0: Yeah. Um cuz this is I mean, the people who are making these uninteresting zombie Yeah. portrayals. This is the first time that they're thinking about apocalypse. Right. They're ma- like they've never They're like what if the world ending on that scale? <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, it's just it, and they have to tell that story from a very privileged position. Yeah, like necessarily, right? And it's kind of boring. Yeah, which is
1: why end of the world or apocalypse things are often better if they're written by people who are engaging with that stuff. Yeah, Octavia Butler. Right, right. Anyway, that was.
0: <laughs> and then I wrote the bullet point. Why is a zombie? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You, I don't know you why is a zombie. You yeah. Don't know? I think I was halfway through a sentence and then I gave up. <laughs> So no one knows why it's a zombie. So cool. Zombies are a really cool monster. Mm-hmm. I am enjoying The Last of Us. I I'm enjoying The Last of Us too.
1: I'm enjoying I like fungal horror.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's kinda it's kinda I cool. like that
1: more than zombie horror. Yeah. I just like, yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think, I mean, The Last of Us, are they really zombies? I know on set they were not allowed to say zombies. They okay, were not allowed, allowed to tweet, describe them as zombies.
1: See the tweet that was like, we weren't allowed to say the Z word. The Z word, yeah. And then someone said Zagot. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's it. That's it
1: can't see um, Zagat.
0: Yeah. But still, like they're t- I think they're trying to make a different kind of monster mm-hmm. who works the same way as zombies in a lot of ways, but it would be cool to see a turn. How can we yeah. say something new with this figure? And maybe like this the late pandemic world we can kind of I don't know, think about what kind of monsters are going to come out of this moment. Hopefully something better than what we've had so far. I know. I yeah, I don't know. Pandemic media
1: bad. Pandemic media has been so bad so far Uh, everything that like engages with like more recent pandemic stuff i'm like i just cringe
0: i can't do it i can't like what are you trying to tell a story for the future or are you trying to tell a story for the present right because you're not doing a good job either way yeah and it looks like you haven't considered the question well i think that the
1: the issue is like so much of the shit just isn't political in any way yeah yes it's It's like why are you not engaging with the politics of this Mm -hmm. why are you not engaging with like the horror of like mass death and Mm -hmm. like and the consequences un- of hyper-individualism. And is an it? uncaring government. Like, yeah. why do we not have films that are, like, engaging directly mm-hmm. with that, right? I mean, we definitely do. I'm not saying that there's no films like that. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> on, like, a, you know, I don't know. It's just, right. like, I have, if if we do have films like that specifically made during mm-hmm. the pandemic about pandemic-related things, I haven't seen them.
0: Yeah. And maybe it's
1: just, like, too recent. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I mean, like, maybe when I, if I, maybe 10 years from now, if I re-engage with media from right now... Right? it'll hit different right but experiencing it in the moment i'm like i can't fucking watch this yeah i don't want to i don't want to watch yeah. this yeah because like, i there's interesting stuff like i don't know there's interesting stuff being made
1: about like media consumption and stuff like that like nope whatever about like being watched and like putting your life on what, yeah. whatever stuff like that yeah so like there's stuff for like current media climates but there's mm-hmm. just like very little that is doing the political situation of right now correctly mm-hmm. you know or mm-hmm. that engages with it in like a way that like isn't exploitative and weird and like I don't know. Yeah. Like whenever you see a movie that's like made about like the Black Lives Matter movement and you're like, yikes, this oh is actually not what it's like at all.
0: Literally any <sighs> fictional protest. I'm like, what the f- have nice. you been to a protest? Have you been to a single protest? And the answer is no. Have you been to like a single community meeting right. about organizing a protest? And no. the answer is no. Yeah. Yeah, it's so obvious. That right. It's all, I mean, it's all about aesthetic. Right, right, exactly. It's about the way that it looks. Yeah. And it's the way you look at a protest. Yeah.
1: You gotta look sexy, you to gotta protest. Look sexy at a protest. And that's all that it is actually. Because
0: that's when people go to that. Right. That's all that, that a protest is. To look like is. you're there. To look
1: like you're there. Yeah.
0: yeah. I think this is a great audience question point. Great. Of, um, we're, if you're like, Banging on the table right now and saying they they haven't seen this movie or they yeah. haven't read this recent book. If there's recent media that you think is handling like pandemic stuff well or is handling monsters well, I'd love to hear about it. Yeah, because maybe I just haven't heard about yeah. it yet. Yeah. Um. Right recent stuff specifically. Yeah. Like, recent stuff to like it. like 2020 or, and later, or even older stuff if you want. Let us know. Let us know. Hey, let us know what you like. Let you us know what you like. Like to read some more stuff. Yeah. Zombies versus vampires. What are the differences here? What are the similarities here? Yeah. I think we came to the agreement that, like, zombies and vampires, actually, they're not that different.
1: They're kind of not. They're people love not that to different.
0: People love to just, like, put zombies them against each other. Zombies versus vampires, who would win?
1: Yeah, which is so stupid. <laughs> we literally, like, tried to Google, like... Just, like, what are people talking about them. Yeah. And it would, it would always just be like, which one's
0: cooler? would <laughs> <laughs> be like, okay. Who don't... would win in a fight? <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> so matter. stupid. But yeah, I, I just think it's important to underscore some of the, like, I don't know, what are the differences and what are the similarities? Because there are, I think the main similarity is just how human they are yeah. and how they could be someone you know. Right. And if you are in a situation where you have to fight one of these monsters or learn to live with one of these monsters... You are going to have to confront someone familiar or someone from your past. Yeah, and that's the gothic character too. Yeah, that that old relationship that you had is wildly transformed as you have to yeah. confront it now.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's something about grief. Zombies and vampires as tragic figures, mm-hmm. kind of right. Like mm-hmm. the thing that's one of the things that's horrifying about vampires is that you live forever and you watch everyone you love die. Right. Unless you make them also a also a vampire. Uh-huh. Zombies. <sighs> When the you guys get bit, that sucks. Yeah. you got to kill them now. Yeah, you know, yeah. there's a lot about close interpersonal mm-hmm. relationships and loved ones dying and grief totally. and the
0: horror of that. Yeah, in both of them. Yeah, like having to radically <coughs> reconsider a relationship because somebody changes. They're humans. They're undead. This is a way of thinking about immortality and how it's scary in different yeah. ways. And the body mm-hmm. post death.
1: Zombies, I feel, also
0: inherently like. Goopier,
1: yeah. It's about the fear of decomposition
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and like, like loss of control, right? Loss like that's of control what's of your so body. gross about them is yeah. you're like,
1: oh shit, I'm gonna look like that maybe one day, right? I mean, I definitely will. I definitely will <laughs> because I will be, <laughs> I will be dead, dead, dead sometimes. Yeah. yeah,
0: and then yeah, just ways of thinking about contagion and infection and vulnerability. Zombies aren't sexy. You don't fuck a zombie. You yeah, do not fuck a zombie.
1: There's, there is really. um not a lot of zombie fucking media. And there's not a lot there's of zombie There's a ton of
0: vampire fucking yes. media. Vampires love to fuck. <laughs> zombies do not. And
1: in fact, <laughs> I think if you, both zombies and vampires are undead, mm-hmm. but because zombies are like, characterized as mindless, it becomes necrophilia, kind of.
0: Yeah. No, yeah, it does.
1: You know? It sure does. I feel like a lot of like, Trying to engage with that Mm -hmm. is trying to be like, how do we make
0: necrophilia sexy? Oh, no. Tough. Tough. Really tough. It has not been done successfully. Pretty tough. I don't think it has. Yeah. Yeah. I'm also thinking about how, like, okay, vampires have gender and sexuality politics. Yeah. Do zombies even have gender? That's so true. I don't think they have gender. They're just, that's a body. It's a body. It's a threat. It's a monster. It's kind of, it's kind of devoid in that way. They're, they're not individuals. No, they don't fuck. They do not fuck.
1: <laughs> they do not fuck. If
0: you were a zombie, you do not fuck. What if the zombies fucked each other though? Like that's not necrophilia, right? But then, but it is for a living audience. Okay. I feel like we.
1: <laughs> this is freaky. Could we? Could we make the zombies fuck? Listen, you can if you want to. That you sounds don't like want it'd be to, pretty though. gross, though.
0: That sounds pretty gross. Um, hmm. I will make my pandemic media, my good late pandemic media, and it will have zombies the fuck. I think and that's, that's going to be the thing that I add.
1: Maren has rested exa- their head on a chair. Exactly <laughs> what everyone has needed is zombies fucking each <laughs> other. Maybe
0: it's the key. Um, I don't think it is, but thanks. Oh. Um,
1: <laughs> I was going to say
0: something, but then I forgot because mm, you said zombies fuck each other. Sorry. Um vampires and zombies compared to other monsters do have this character of like it could be you you're not gonna get godzilla werewolves 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 yeah should we talk about werewolves now or should we save it i think we could talk about werewolves guys what's the deal with werewolves we were talking about okay are there any werewolves in mcr no there's house of wolves there's There's some howling just regular (laughs) wolves and there's some howling but those are not werewolves No. why? What? So werewolves don't have the same kind of like cultural moment right now as zombies or vampires? You know? Kind of. But then Maren brought up a very important point. Do you want to mention it again?
1: Are we going to talk about a megaverse on the pod?
0: Well, you've already done it. <laughs> you've already said it. Okay. Um, <laughs> so unfortunately, I don't know if you guys know. <laughs>
1: Into the <laughs> hey, I don't know if you guys know about this, but on a lot of uh, fan communities, people write about uh, people with wolf stuff.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Kind of wolf, just, kind of fictional have, wolf dynamics. I don't know it, if you guys have heard about that.
0: If you've made it this far in our podcast, and this is not something that you are familiar with... Yeah, I feel like
1: maybe go on the internet.
0: A I'm really one. interested in who you are. Yeah,
1: how'd you find us? Um,
0: <laughs> just Google Omegaverse, and you'll have all have the fun. answers that you need. And have fun. Uh-huh. So, like, is that <laughs> where... Wolves are interesting as monsters right now. Like they're definitely like, horny, right? No, There's it's weirdly a horny. It's weird.
1: It's this. super weird because werewolves, I think, are very interesting. There's mm-hmm. a transformation, mm-hmm. right? Kind of trans there, kind of right? trans there. Oh, absolutely, literally transformation. Mm-hmm. The most popular fucking werewolf media is like you know, an American Werewolf in London mm-hmm. and Twilight and Twilight. Does a bad job. Mm-hmm. Indeed it does on a lot of things. Twilight, in fact, makes it a race thing. Yeah. A really super uh-huh. weird race thing. Yeah. As we've discussed, monsters can be racialized bodies, but when you mm-hmm. do it, like, you make um, all the vampires mostly white yeah. and the colonizers, and, like, literally mm-hmm. colonizers, and then you make and then the it's... werewolves native people.
0: And um... you make them fight. And, it's and you not make them really fight. A critique? It's so not much a critique. You're is. just being like,
1: what if this happened? And yeah. we were like, it, it is mm-hmm. currently. Yeah. And has also. Yeah. And this is now na- and now these people are good. Mm-hmm. No, they're not. Yeah. <laughs> you've turned you've turned your vampires into colonizers. Exactly. Into active colonizers. You made them
0: worse. You made them you made worse. Them so much worse. Yeah.
1: So that yeah, that's werewolf media, but like Bummer. I was always a Team Jacob mm-hmm. person. I was team Edward, sorry. Wow, that's tough. Um I was always team That's really tough. I was always team Jacob because it's like really interesting, right? Yeah. Hot, warm man <laughs> turn into dog. Turn into dog. And like the whatever, I get it. It's it is horny. Mm-hmm. The like possession thing, all of the all of the classic omegaverse stuff. Mm-hmm. I get it. Sure. Yeah. I I understand your horny wolf adjacent literature supernatural fans there's just like not a lot of good pop like popular cultural werewolf things yeah
0: and like that's not even to say that like Omegaverse stuff is werewolfy. It's really just wolfy, mm-hmm. and then it's also like its own thing completely. And it's like, body horror. You yeah. know what? That's also fascinating. It's fascinating it is, in its yeah. own regard, and yeah. it is definitely its own thing. Um, I don't think we should do an Omegaverse episode. We will. Not, well, Why would we? I don't know. Because it's interesting. <laughs> I know,
1: but it doesn't <laughs> connect to MCR really, inherently. Listen,
0: <laughs> werewolves specifically aren't having the same kind of monster moment consistently. As as zombies or vampires have.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess Teen Wolf,
0: but. I didn't watch that. People do, though. Yeah, people do. People but do. But that's They're like really the good. last one. Yeah. Were, yeah. Where are the werewolves, guys? It's because everybody who could tell a good werewolf story is writing Omegaverse fanfiction. And they've been distracted <laughs> from their divine ordinance of writing werewolf media. Guys, come on. Get off of AO3 and get behind that typewriter and see what you can do. <laughs> Yeah. You can cut that
1: bit out if you want. I but, will uh, not. No, I will not. <laughs> That's staying on. That was our little werewolf tangent. Yeah. We just were like, where are all the werewolves? Yes. Where, where are all the werewolves? <laughs> what? I <don't> <laughs> Kind of like the where <laughs> is <laughs> your boy tonight, but it's about <laughs> werewolves. Where are Where is the,
0: the werewolves tonight? <laughs> Great. week, week. All right. This is a My Chemical Romance podcast. You wouldn't know it. You wouldn't know it from <laughs> this conversation. So, my chemical romance. Why are we talking about vampires and zombies in the first place? They like them. They like them. They are horror fans, as we know. You like D and D. Audrey Hepburn. Do F- b- 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 You want to take that again? Yes, I would. You like D and D. Audrey Hepburn. Fangoria, which is a horror magazine. Correct. That's all. There. That's where I was going. Yep. But they're 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 fans of this medium, and it definitely has shaped like aesthetically what the band does. Yeah. Um, And thematically, especially in several bullet songs. Right.
1: Um, We've talked about this a little, about how they write about women and and how they write about horror and how they write about killing Mm -hmm. and things like that and how connected that is to their understanding of horror movies and
0: consuming that kind of media. And that's in the cheerleader episode as well. So, yeah, we already know that they have that connection. If we're talking specifically about these songs... Where where do we see vampires in MCR?
1: Vampires Will Never Hurt You.
0: What's the baseline? Whoa, yeah. that's so
1: true. It's exactly like that. It goes exactly like that. Yeah. Um Mike Elway in yeah. the room. Mike Elway. Oh, Mike Elway. <laughs> <laughs> I started calling him Mike Elway. What? I don't know. Yeah. So
0: Vampires Will Never Hurt You. Mm-hmm. What's that song about? Vampires. Vampires. It's about vampires, and it's specifically, like, I'm torn between what is is the point of this song anything beyond vampires are so fucking cool. Because, like, (laughs) that's a major point of it, and it works really well. Yeah, I (laughs) know it is. It's like, oh, shit. For the song. However, I think the point of the song also is, like... What will... It's about vulnerability. It's about yeah. what would happen to me if I was turned into a vampire. If they get me. If they get me, take this spike uh-huh. and put the spike in my heart. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, look, I need you to take care of me. If right. I get gotten, I don't want to live this way. That's not the immortality yeah. I want. Take me out. Yeah. Um, for a band that talks about immortality a lot, a lot. This is an early manifestation of it. And that's sure something that gets iterated on again and again and again. Yeah. What else about that song with vampires? Sexy. Sexy. The nightclub sets the stage for this. Mm, yeah. Yeah. It's a very, it's very dark. It's very dark in the that The nightclub. Well, it's
1: like, it makes me think of the return video. Mm. The like, mm-hmm. uh, the, what is it called? A uh, summoning? A summoning.
0: How mm-hmm. <laughs> No.
1: Marin just direct hit on their new tattoo. Fuck. That yes, <laughs> It makes me think of the summoning and how bullets is represented as like, A sexy gay vampire nightclub. Mm -hmm. It's like a goth club, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. which is so true. That's how I think of that album.
0: I was like, "Oh my god, we're the same." romance.
1: It's a little hot.
0: It's a little hot. And there's also like this. I think the presence of the church is very evident in vampires. Someone burned the church. Someone burned the church. Also, someone Someone called called the doctor. Someone get me to a church. Yeah, to a church to a nurse. Well, there's a nurse and a church. Yeah. We listened to this band. We listened to the, I promise you we listened to this band. I just don't know the order of the lyrics for vampires. Um, and that's fine. Can we talk about souls? Should we talk about souls? Oh. Well, the soul, as, as somebody who grew up on Buffy, Yeah, the soul is a very interesting vampire concept. Yeah. Because they can have a soul, but they're always tortured if they do. Yeah. And the loss of it is inherently connected to, like, church stuff. Totally. Yeah. And we're concerned with the soul here. hmm How's that?
1: You must keep your soul like a secret in your throat.
0: (laughs) And that's the survival, right? Yeah. Like getting gotten by the vampire is the loss of your soul.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that Gerard...
0: Gerard, I think Gerard is
1: concerned about his eternal soul. (laughs) Oh, sure. Yeah. (laughs) I think personally Gerard has thought a lot about their soul. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so, and where their soul is going, and where they're going to be, and how they're going to end up, and whether they will be tormented, and usually the answer is yes.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we see that question asked in a lot of different in ways in a lot of different ways. Of music, right? Um, Directly and indirectly. Yeah. Yeah. So, like these vampires are one of many possible allegories for right. the soul and eternal life, right? Um, that we see all over the place. And yeah, what else? What else do the vampires represent here? I guess. I also, I was kind of thinking that. I was like, what do the
1: vampires represent in Vampires Will Never Hurt You? Mm-hmm. Is it just like, kind of cool monster? Mm-hmm. We like this monster and we're gonna bring it into the room and here it is. Yeah. Cause I think it's kind of partially that. And it, I yeah. think partially it's like vampires are sexy and we think they're sexy mm-hmm. and we want to be sexy. Yeah. And now we've Brought them into the room. I think partially that's what it is. And I think also partially, is it related to capitalism Mm. in some way? Or the music
0: industry? Mm. Or people who are trying to get you to do something you don't want? Right. They don't know personally so much about the music industry at this point. Yeah. But they are friends with Thursday who do. Yeah. You know? That kind of loss of the self, totally. Yeah. That occurs when you have to work with a major recording contract. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, this loss of, loss of agency. Right. Or, yeah, loss of your life in a particular way. Or loss of your soul. And like, going back to what you were saying earlier about, like, these guys are sexy, these guys are sexy. Like.
1: (laughs) These guys are sexy. (laughs)
0: Hey. Hey, they're sexy. They're doing, I think what we've described other horror media doing really well, is that like, here's this, it's framed as a threat, right? right? Like, what will you do if I'm gotten by this thing? Right. Um. It's also, but it also, like, makes that monster really, really interesting and relatable. Totally. Right? Like, yeah. the, I don't, I don't know if vampires are even directly called out here, but They're not. It's the just aesthetic title. is there, and it's the made aesthetic The aesthetic That's is the there. That's the thing, also, is I think, like, I
1: really do think it's, like, it's, like, kind of about the aesthetic for them. You know, you're writing an album that you're just, like, you're just writing something to tour on, basically, is kind mm-hmm. of what they talked about doing for vampires, right? Like, they're yeah. writing an album of songs so that they can just start writing, but also so they can start touring. Yeah. And, like, it says a lot about, like, okay, what's this band about? Mm-hmm. We're about this kind of look. We want to do this kind of thing. It kind of attaches them. It attaches them to a monster that is othered
0: and sexy mm-hmm. and queer Yeah, from the get out, like, yeah. immediately. Yeah. And people pick up on it. Yeah. And they attach themselves to the monster. Not the moral of the horror movie. Right. Yeah. Totally. Which is cool. Yeah. But I'm also thinking about, like, the the capitalism thing and the recording industry thing is so, like, that fits. Yeah. And, like, they don't even know yet. They don't even know. They don't even know what it's going to get to yet. Right. And, like, it, it, does it get them? Does it get them in the end? Do they get gotten by the vampire? Kind of. Kind of, sort of. But then there's an afterlife that I think is more interesting than this storyteller necessarily. Right is aware of. Right. Right. Yeah, totally. And I think, I mean, from this
1: point, right, from this point on, like, there are, like, interviews and stuff where they talk about love and vampires. Blood becomes a huge part of their look. Mm-hmm. Like, the whole gothic, extreme, painting your face extremely pale, bags under your eyes, blood all over you. Yeah. It's like, it becomes such a thing for them that they just get connected to a vampiric figure, mm-hmm. which is a gothic figure, mm-hmm. which is a queer figure. Yeah. They just, like, in some ways, become the vampire. <laughs> yeah. They just kind of become the vampire
0: a little bit. They do. Bit for, like, a while mm-hmm. in their career. <laughs> They're also, I guess, a victim to a different vampire. Totally, Maybe exactly this both. is, I mean, like, that's how vampires work. You get gotten by a vampire, you become a vampire, you get some more. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the bigger vampire is the one that is demanding blood from them. hmm You know? Totally. But that's, um, and that's the recording industry. And also... They got sexy about it. They got sexy about it. And they looked very cool. It did make them sexy. And um,
1: people liked that they looked really cool. Yeah, and they were right. And they were right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So that too. So that's Vampires. Yes. So to connect, I guess, on top of the question of consumerism and yeah. the recording industry. directly. Pretty directly. um, We have Vampire Money. Right. Which is uh, the other opposite end of their career. Mm-hmm. Right? Vampires is song number three that they put out. Yeah, literally. And then Vampire Money is at the end of Danger Days. So yeah. That's crazy. Vampire Money as a song, as you probably know, dear listener, is a response to the Twilight franchise wanting MCR to be on the soundtrack. Right. Always. Um, And always
1: being asked if you're going to do a song for Twilight. Yes.
0: Um, And the answer was no, we're not going to do that because Twilight is a bad monster movie and a bad monster story. Yeah. They take vampires and clean them up. Yeah. Make them sparkly. Yeah. Put them in society, make them rich, make them super white. And
1: Christian make them Mormons. So Christian
0: make them Mormons, and they do not fuck. They do not fuck. They do. Not they not fuck. will not fuck until they are married. Yes. They yeah. wait until these vampires wait until marriage. God. No. Brutal. Brutal. Horrible. So they're just like they're not. They're not interesting vampires. Right. And man, if my thirteen-year-old self heard me saying that, I would <laughs> smack myself in the face. Like I was. Yeah, you so were really into a Twilight. Twilight teen. I was so into Twilight. Um, I'm. I'm better now. Um, <laughs> I got safe. better. <laughs> yeah, been safe. But like, yeah, I mean, it's a marketable vampire. It's a vampire that teen girls can right. enjoy. Um, and it's like a certain. It's like a a very watered down kind of horniness that yeah. um is is distributable. Right. Um, compared to the kind of like non palatable queer monster um, fucking monster fucking. Yeah. That. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Is really more the direction that uh, it had been going. And that um, I think MCR thinks it should continue going. Right. Right? Um, So by choosing not to participate in that and instead writing a song about horny vampires. Three, two, one. We came to fuck. We came to fuck. We did. We came to fuck. We're not going to not fuck. That's at the very beginning. (laughs) We're not going to not fuck. We do have to. We've we've come here and we do need to fuck. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of the song (sighs) is about like... The music industry feeling very, like, much like they have to clean things up to be palatable. In the <laughs> same way that Twilight yeah. does that with vampires. Right. To be a consumed object. So they're victim to this in the same way. They right. They see themselves in, they don't want to participate in this cleaning up of a horror figure. Meanwhile, it is still happening to them. Right. No, possible.
1: it's super tongue-in-cheek, yeah. right? It's yeah. like, give me some of that vampire money. Right. Yeah, I have mm-hmm. it, kind of, mm-hmm. you know?
0: But I don't need more of it. Right. I actually made it possible.
1: Like they single I mean yeah. right Danger Days is so much about fame and like post fame and like rebellion t-shirts, selling things, mm-hmm. whatever. It's so much about mm-hmm. that. And how not like how much they know that like they're both like a symbol of an outsider and also becoming a mass consumed band. Yeah. So it's like it's weird, right. it's both. Right. Like they started out as a band that people fucking kind of hated, but also mm-hmm. loved. Like, there's just like been mm-hmm. a weird struggle in their throughout the entire their entire career. Is right. it's like, people fucking hate you, and people also fucking love you, mm-hmm. and like you are being consumed in a good way and in a bad way, and maybe it's all the same. <laughs> right? They right. just being right. consumed as being consumed. Absolutely. And like, you know, so it's a tongue and it's super tongue in cheek song. Yeah, yeah. We're glittering. We're glimmering. Sparkle like we're driving a Volvo. That's all I have to say about vampires. Yeah, me
0: too. I think. Zombies. zombies. Whoa.
1: Oh,
0: the cranberries here in your in your office right I guess, now. I guess Early sunsets. This song is clearly set in the Dawn of the Dead universe. Up right? and down escalators. Yes, they're in a mall. They're right. clearly in a mall and they're clearly dealing with somebody who has been gotten by a zombie. And kind of similarly to the question that's asked in Vampires, what do you do in this situation? What's yeah. your plan for emergency? Right. Right? How do you attempt to survive? What do you do with someone who's transformed in front of you? Yeah. What do you do with someone that you love who isn't the same anymore? They're into that, you know? Mm-hmm. This is a sad fucking song. They're so into that. And, like,
1: I mean, that kind of idea of, like, tragic love is, like, something that follows them into into revenge, certainly. Uh-huh. Which is, like, that's the entire plot of revenge. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah, is loving someone and not being able to keep them,
1: to save them. Yeah, uh-huh. to despite how many horrible things you mm-hmm. do for them.
0: There aren't really many zombies in this song. There's In know? fact,
1: like not. There's really not a really at all. any. There's
0: just somebody. They don't it's, go zombie zombie. It's really about grief. It's yeah. really about like mourning and and nostalgia. Hmm. Kind of. Yeah. For what? A life before something. Oh, before, like, an apocalypse. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: Or, yeah, I mean, like, it's literally in this song, but also just... Just
0: something you lost. It's just thinking back Mm on something. This also makes an interesting point about, like, just here in the beginning, favorite scenes, what's on a screen is a connection to to film and to media, that that represents some kind of ideal... Yeah, And I think it's really interesting to see that from these horror fans. What you see on a screen is not an ideal at all. Right. Um, but for a lot of people, it is. Just a very good song. It's just a very good song. It's just a very good song. Oh, and oh. Astro Zombies.
1: Oh yeah, they cover Astro Zombies. <laughs> yeah, they cover Astro Zombies. <laughs>
0: that's funny. Forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, that's a Misfits song. Yeah. Um, that they've covered. Really just about killing everyone. It's about big time murder. Yeah. <laughs> Which, cool. He's sick. Thank you, the Misfits. Thank you, the Misfits, I suppose. And then, of course, um, I have to talk about the 9-11 of it all. Hi, welcome. It's It's the 9-11 corner with EJ. We gotta come up with a better song. (laughs) (laughs) We'll come up with a little jingle. I'll have my 9-11 corner, and then you can have your little, um... Okay, I can
1: have a little Marin talking about 80s culture corner. Fantastic. Um, Can I tell just a silly thing? Yes. Just a silly thing that I learned? Okay, my good friend Lou, friend of the pod Lou. Friend of the pod. Hello, Lou. Hello, Lou. They don't listen, so they won't God hear this. Damn it. Yeah, I know, fucking God. fake friend. Wow. <laughs> um, my good friend Lou has been watching Sex in the City great did you know that 9-11 doesn't happen in sex in the city what it takes place from like i mean it's being made from like 1998 to like 2004 what? and 9-11 does not happen they just stop having the twin towers in the title sequence and stuff
0: it literally doesn't what? happen it's literally crazy that's isn't that really crazy weird. That's yeah really i know really weird anyway funny that's really interesting though you are thinking about like how people deal with tragedy immediately after it happens totally right like yeah. that that makes you know Pandemic media is so hard for us to watch because right. it seems so poorly done. Like, how do you handle it? Right. And they chose to not handle it. Right. Right? They said, well, there's no way we can do this sensitively, so we'll just take <laughs> it out of the title sequence. Honestly, respect. Yeah. Like, because, I mean, I don't know. I haven't watched that many, like, things that happened immediately after 9-11.
1: Well, because, like, that's so, that's true. Like, thinking about immediate post-9-11, like content and like music and stuff you would have thought cool this will be an interesting era for music Mm -hmm. and then it kind of fucking wasn't like mcr made a song about Mm 9-11 and then there was a ton of super patriotic shit yeah and then like some like anti-george bush shit Mm -hmm. but like really not a lot
0: yeah yeah but i i think the point i want to make with the 9-11 of of these monsters yeah is that it's a way to talk about vulnerability and suspicion and threat and even if something isn't directly about 9-11 the way that 9-11 shapes it like that media culture shapes it is still very particular now early 2000s music mostly is bad totally yeah but yeah i think that there are interesting ways that that major event did shape it um, I mean, I think, yeah,
1: I think that vampires and zombies, both as figures, have always been about suspicion and invasion. hmm Which maybe gets heightened post-9-11. Absolutely And, does. like, makes it, like, probably spurred on more zombie media. Mm-hmm. I don't know enough about, like, pre-post-9-11, mm-hmm. like, what kinds of content was being, like, I totally. not off my head. But, I'm sure that that's true. Right. And I'm sure that, like... Especially because they're writing this immediately post Mm 9-11, like, I'm sure that that's in their head. I'm sure Mm -hmm. that that's, like, what they're thinking about when they're writing some of this stuff and, like, engaging with some of this stuff right away.
0: I think security is a big part of it, right? Like, we didn't have a Department of Homeland Security before 9-11. Right. Like, that produced that level of surveillance yeah. The, the Patriot Act, like that, you right. can just tap somebody's phone if you want to. Right. Like, that's fine. And it's good for the nation. That th- There's like a level of suspicion about being spied on and a level of suspicion about outsiders that I do yeah. think is specifically heightened in that moment. Maybe. Not that it wasn't already high Maybe. before. Maybe. I mean, the Cold but, War. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. You know? But that's more of. The Cold War's more organized, I think. There, there wasn't a warning to 9 11 so much. I mean, there was the whole Gulf War. But everyone knew that the Cold War was happening. Yeah. And that there were major powers that were threats to each other.
1: No, I mean, I don't disagree. I don't disagree. I think I think it's applicable in the way that a lot of other things are applicable. And for an MCR, like, that is the thing that is, mm-hmm. yeah, you know. the
0: impetus. Right, yeah.
1: totally. So, like, it's relevant. Absolutely. It is absolutely relevant. Yeah. yeah, but in terms of, like, the monster, I don't know. I mean, I think yes, and I also think, I think yes and. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. and. yes and. Yes and. Yeah. I, think,
0: I, I think there's so much more to be said about yeah. it, too. That yeah. we just don't, it doesn't yeah. fit in this episode. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and yeah. and these figures, I think, have been used for that purpose for a long time. So are they used any differently now?
1: Maybe right. not. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's tough, because it's like, okay, so is all zombie media about, like, xenophobia? <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> Which is like, tough, because, like, I don't think it is. No. I just, like, don't think it is. So I think that, like, and same with vampires. I don't think vampire media is really about xenophobia either. Mm-hmm. I think that it's part of it. Yeah. But
0: I also think that, like, it's also not, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I I agree with that, that it's part of it, and yeah. it drives a lot of zombie narratives, but not all of them, and not, yeah. like, I don't think wholly, totally. either. And often, the more interesting, I mean, to go back to the Romero films, is the more interesting conversation is about, like, how do you actually do something with anyone else? Right. Like, how do you survive something with others? Yeah. Um, and the answer is, we're not well cut out for that. And I think the post 9-11 response is, well, with hyper-individualism, with yeah. like, some kind of American superiority and grit to survive, yeah. blah, 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 whatever, with violence. Right. With more guns. Right. That'll do it. Right. That'll help.
1: Being suspicious of the other is a good old American
0: tradition. It really are is. we hunting
1: communists? Are we hunting like mm-hmm. whatever? Are mm-hmm. we looking out for Russians? What are we right. what are we looking for? Uh-huh. Because we're we looking for some other person and we have to be like we have to conform to the American way. Mm-hmm. And that's just like always that's always it. Yeah. And nine eleven is just another another fucked up way for that to
0: happen. Right. This has been the nine eleven of it all. <laughs> that's zombies. That's vampires. It I think is. we covered some really good stuff about how these work culturally I agree. and how they work in MCR. Yeah, MCR is playing on a long tradition of these figures that are really open to interpretation. Yeah, um, and they've they've built on it. I think they're using it in all of the cases that they use it for to talk about consumerism and to talk about grief and to talk about community, which are ways that it has been used before. Totally, um, and that's really cool. Totally, it is really cool. <laughs> I think it's really cool, too. I think it's cool. I think it's cool, too. Um, and as an aesthetic. Okay, yes. Those are all the things that are yeah. that are going on. Well, um,
1: we've reached We've reached somewhere. We've, Do we, I think this is the end. I think it's the end.
0: Do we have anything else to say? There's always other stuff. If there's something that you
1: wish that we talked about and we didn't, mm-hmm. send it in a message. Yeah. Send it in a DM. Put, put it in the tags. We want to talk about it. We want to talk about it, and we're down to talk about yes. it. And we want to talk about your fav- your favorite guys. Mm-hmm. Your Favorite in terms of
0: all your guys, tell us all your guys.
1: guys. Send us a list of your guys, then we'll talk about it. We'll list the guys off. Guys, gender neutral, yeah, yeah, of
0: course. Well, that's the end of the episode. It is the end. You can find us at HoneythisPodcast on Instagram. You can find us at HoneythisPodcast on Tumblr. Uh, You can find me at Boy Zone on Tumblr. And you can find me at Taste
1: of Chaos 2005.
0: And you can send us an email at HoneythisPodcast (laughs) at gmail.com. Send us an email! Get in the inbox.
1: Send us an email. Send us a little picture. Yeah. something I don't know oh, yeah. I know someone sent us a fun little pic on the Ooh. email recently Ooh. that was just like a picture of Frank Airo getting smooched on the face and it amazing was, it was really nice it made me smile <laughs> so thanks for, thanks <laughs> for that yeah, no. stranger it was literally like, a, like an automated like someone like generated a fake email oh and then sent us a little picture of Frank
0: and review our podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts people
1: do say that yeah, yeah.
0: Go, ahead go ahead and do it
1: I'm gonna make a TikTok
0: oh cool it cool. might not be
1: it might be on my TikTok but I'll let y'all know yeah, where it ends that's up great. being as, so you can go watch me talk about MCR on there yeah that's so awesome yeah. Um, so I'll plug that when that happens thanks for listening to this episode go suck a blood go and s- eat a brain
0: oh suck a blood eat a brain that's uh it's happy suck a blood Saturday <laughs> happy
1: suck a <of> blood Saturday <laughs> hey fellas is it suck a blood Saturday okay <laughs> yeah. goodbye bye